Letter nine of the Sylph. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Sylph by Georgiana Cavendish, Duchess of Devonshire. Letter nine, part two. In this frame of mind, I rejoiced to hear we were soon to have a battle which would in all probability be decisive i was now raised to the rank of captain-lieutenant a battalion of our regiment was appointed to a most dangerous post it was to gain a pass through a narrow defile and to convey some heavy artillery to cover a party of soldiers who were the flower of the troops to endeavour to flank the enemy i was mortified to find i was not named for this service i spoke of it to the captain who honoured me with his friendship. "'It was my care for you, Grenville,' said he, "'which prevented your name being enrolled. "'I wish, for the sakes of so many brave fellows, "'this manoeuvre could have been avoided. "'It will be next to a miracle if we succeed, "'but success must be won with the lives of many. "'The first squadron must look on themselves as a sacrifice. "'Permit me, then,' said I, "'to head that squadron.' I will do my duty to support my charge, but if I fall, I shall bless the blow which rids me of an existence intolerable to me. You are a young man, Granville, replied the captain. You may experience a change in life, which will repay you for the adversities you at present complain of. I would have you courageous and defy dangers, but not madly rush on them. That is to be despairing, not brave." and consequently displeasing to the deity who appoints us our task and rewards us according to our acquittal of our duty the severest winter is followed oftentimes by the most blooming spring it is true said i but when will spring visit the mouldering urn ah when will it dawn on the gloom of the grave will you however allow me to offer an exchange with the commanding officer my captain consented and the lieutenant was very glad to exchange his post for one of equal honour but greater security i was sitting in my tent the evening of the important day ruminating on the past events of my life and then naturally fell into reflections of what in all probability would be the consequence of the morrow's attack we looked on ourselves as devoted men and though i dare say not one of the whole corps was tired of his life yet they all expressed the utmost eagerness to be employed death was the ultimate wish of my soul i shall before to-morrow's sun goes down said i addressing myself to the resemblance of my maria i shall most lovely of women be reunited to thee or if yet thy sufferings have not ended thy precious life i shall yet know where thou art and be permitted perhaps to hover over thee to guide thy footsteps, and conduct thee to those realms of light, whose joys will be incomplete without thee. With these rhapsodies I was amusing my mind, when a sergeant entered, and acquainted me there was without a young man inquiring for me, who said he must be admitted, having letters of the greatest importance from England. My heart beat high against my breast, my inspiration grew thick and difficult, I could hardly articulate these words. FOR GOD'S SAKE, LET ME SEE HIM. SUPPORT ME, O oh GOD, WHAT IS IT I AM GOING TO HEAR? 
a cold sweat bedewed my face and an universal tremor possessed my whole frame a young gentleman wrapped up in a hussar cloak made his appearance is this lieutenant grenville i bowed i am told sir said i in a tremulous voice you have letters from england relieve my doubts i beseech you here sir is one said the youth extending his hand and trembled exceedingly i hastily snatched it ready to devour the contents what was my agitation when i read these words if after a silence of two long years your maria is still dear to you you will rejoice to hear she still lives for you alone if her presence is wished for by you you will rejoice on finding her at no great distance from you but if you love with a tenderness she does how great how ecstatic will be your felicity to raise your eyes and fix them on hers the paper dropped from my inverate hand while i raised my eyes and beheld oh my god under the disguise of a young officer my beloved my faithful long-lost maria great god i cried in a transport of joy clasping my hands together have then my prayers been heard do i again behold her but my situation recurring to my imagination the dangers which i had unnecessarily engaged myself in for the morrow her disguise the unprotected state in which i should leave her in a camp where too much licentious reigned all these ideas took instant possession of my mind and dampened the rising joy her loved presence had at first excited the agonizing pangs which seized me are past description oh my god i exclaimed in the bitterness of soul why did we thus meet better oh how much better would it have been that my eyes had closed in death than to see all they adored thus exposed to the horrid misery and carnage of destructive war the conflict became too powerful and in all the energy of woe i threw myself on the ground poor maria flung herself on a seat and covered her face in her great coat audible sobs burst from her bosom i saw the convulsive heavings and the sight was as daggers to me i crawled on my knees to her and bending over her oh my maria said i these pangs i feel for you speak to me my only love if possible ease my sufferings by thy heavenly welcome voice she uttered not a word i sought to find her hand she pushed me gently from her then rising come thou companion of my tedious and painful travel come my faithful hannah said she to one i had not taken notice of who stood in the entrance of the tent let us be gone here we are unwelcome visitors it is thus continued she lifting her hands to heaven it is thus i am received adieu grenville my love has still pursued you with unremitting constancy but it shall be your torment no longer i will no longer tax your compassion for a fond wretch who perhaps deserves the scorn she meets she was leaving the tent i was immovably rooted to the ground while she spake i caught her by the coat oh leave me not dearest of women leave me not you know not the love and distress which tear this wretched bosom by turns injure me not by doubting the first and if you knew the latter you would find me an object entitled to your utmost pity 
oh that my heart was laid open to your view then you would see it had wasted with anguish on the supposition of your death yes maria i thought you dead i had a too exalted idea of your worth to assign any other cause i never called you cruel or doubted your faith your memory lived in my fond breast such as my tenderness painted you but you can think meanly of me and put the utmost ungenerous construction on the severest affliction that ever tore the heart of man oh my grenville said she raising me how have i been ungenerous is the reunification of my country relations and even sex a proof of want of generosity will you never know or knowing understand me i believe you have suffered greatly suffered your pallid countenance too plainly evinces it but we shall now with the blessings of heaven soon see an end to them a few months will make me mistress of my fortune in the meantime i will live with my faithful hannah retired only now and then let me have the consolation of seeing you and hearing from your lips a confirmation that i have not forfeited your affection i said all that my heart dictated to reassure my lovely heroic maria and calm her griefs i made her take some refreshment and as the night was now far spent and we yet had much to say we agreed to pass it in the tent my maria began to make me a little detail of all that had passed she painted out the persecutions of her father in the liveliest colours the many artifices he used to weaken her attachment to me the feigning me inconstant and when he found her opinion of my faith too firmly rooted he procured a certificate of my death as she was then released from her engagement he more strongly urged her to marry but she has resolutely refused on his being one day more than commonly urgent she knelt down and said in the most solemn manner thou knowest o god had it pleased thee to have continued him i doted on in this life that i was bound by the most powerful asservations to be his and only his hear me now o god while i swear still to be wedded to his memory in thy eye i was his wife i attest thee to witness that i will never be any other in his grave shall all my tenderness be buried and with him shall it rise to heaven her father became outrageous and swore if she would not give him a son he would give her a mother and in consequence married the housekeeper a woman sordid as himself and whose principles and sentiments were as low as her birth the faithful hannah had been discharged some time before on finding out she aided our correspondence my letters had been for a long time intercepted maria one day without the least notice was taken out of her chamber and conveyed to a small house in the hundreds of essex to some relations of her new mother's in hopes as she found that grief and the unhealthiness of the place might make an end of her before she came of age after a series of ill-usage and misfortunes she at length was so fortunate as to make her escape she wrote to hannah who came instantly to her from her she learnt i was still living she then formed the resolution of coming over to germany dreading again falling into the hands of her cruel parent the plan was soon fixed on and put in execution to avoid the dangers of travelling 
they agreed to put on men's clothes and maria to ensure her safety dressed herself like an english officer charged with dispatches to the british army while she was proceeding in her narrative i heard the drum beat to arms i started and turned pale maria hastily demanded the cause of this alternation i informed her we are going to prepare for battle and what oh is to become of you oh maria the service i am going on is hazardous to the last degree i shall fall a sacrifice but what will become of you die with you said she firmly rising and drawing her sword when i raise my arm continued she who will know it is a woman's nature has stamped me with that sex but my soul shirks not at danger in what am i different from the romans or even from some of the ancient britons they could lose their lives for less cause than what i see before me as i am firmly resolved not to outlive you so i am equally determined to share your fate you are certainly desirous my sex should remain concealed i wish the same and believe me no womanish weakness on my part shall betray it tell your commander i am a volunteer under your direction and assure yourself you will find me possessed of sufficient courage to bear any and everything for your sake i forbore not to paint out the horrors of war in the most dreadful colours i shudder at them said she but i am not intimidated in short all my arguments were in vain she vowed she would follow me either you love me granville or you love me not if the first you cannot refuse me the privilege of dying with you if the last sad fate should be mine the sooner i lose my life the better while i was yet using dissuasives the captain entered my tent come granville said he make preparations my good lad there will be hot work to-day for us all i would have chosen a less dangerous situation for you but this was your own desire however i hope heaven will spare you i could have almost wished i had not been so precipitate as here is a young volunteer who will accompany me so young and courageous said the captain advancing towards my maria i am sure by your looks you have never seen service but i have gone through great dangers sir she answered blushing and with so brave an officer as lieutenant grenville i shall not be fearful of meeting even death well said my little hero rejoined he only that as a volunteer you have a right to choose your commander i should be happy to have the bringing you into the field myself let us however as this may be the last time we meet on earth drink one glass to our success grenville you can furnish us we soon then bid each other a solemn adieu i prevailed on maria and poor hannah who was almost dead with fears to lie down on my pallet bed if possible to procure a little rest i retired to the outside of the tent and kneeling down put up the most fervent prayers to heaven that the heart of a man could frame i then threw myself on some baggage and slept with some composure till the second drumbeat hannah hung around her mistress but such was her respect and deference that she opened not her lips we began our march my brave heroine close at my side with all the stillness possible we gained a narrow part of the wood where we wanted to make good our pass 
but here either by the treachery of our own people or the vigilance of our enemy our scheme was entirely defeated we marched on without opposition and flushed with the appearance of success we went boldly on till too far advanced to make a retreat we found ourselves surrounded by a party of the enemy's troops we did all in our power to recover our advantage and lost several men in our defence numbers however at last prevailed and those who were not left dead on the field were made prisoners among whom were my maria and myself i was wounded in the side and in the right arm she providentially escaped unhurt we were conveyed to the camp of the enemy where i was received with the respect that one brave man shows another i was put into the hospital where my faithful maria attended me with the utmost diligence and tenderness when the event of this day's disaster was carried to the british camp it struck a damp on all but poor hannah in a frenzy of distress ran about wringing her hands proclaiming her sex and that of the supposed volunteer and entreating the captain to use his interest to procure our release she gave him a brief detail of our adventures and conducted by extolling the character of her beloved mistress the captain who had at that time a great regard for me was touched at the distressful story and made a report to the commander-in-chief who after getting the better of the enemy in an engagement proposed an exchange of prisoners which being agreed to and i being able to bear the removal we were once more at liberty i was conveyed to a small town near our encampment where my dear maria and old hannah lay aside their great hussar cloaks which they would never be prevailed on to put off and resumed their petticoats this adventure caused much conversation in the camp and all the officers were desirous of beholding so martial a female but notwithstanding the extraordinary step she had been induced to take miss maynard possessed all the valued delicacy of her sex in a very eminent degree and therefore kept very recluse devoting herself entirely to her attendance on me fearful that her reputation might suffer now her sex was known i urged her to complete my happiness by consenting to our marriage she at first made some difficulties which i presently obviated and the chaplain of the regiment performed the ceremony my captain acting as father and as he said bestowing on me the greatest blessing a man could deserve i was now the happiest of all earthly creatures nor did i feel the least delay but in some times on returning from duty in the field finding my maria uncommonly grave on inquiry she used to attribute it to my absence and indeed her melancholy would wear off and she would resume all her wonted cheerfulness about three months after our marriage my dear wife was seized with the smallpox which then raged in the town i was almost distracted with my apprehensions her life was in imminent danger i delivered myself up to the most gloomy presages how i am marked out for misfortune said i i am destined to lose both my wives on the eve of their coming of age her disorder was attended with some of the most alarming symptoms at length it pleased heaven to hear my prayers and a favorable crisis presented itself with joy i made a sacrifice of her beauty 
happy in still possessing the mental perfections of this most excellent of women the fear of losing her had endeared her so much the more to me that every mark of her distemper reminding me of my danger served to render her more valuable in my eyes my caresses and tenderness were redoubled and the loss of charms which could not make her more engaging to her husband gave my maria no concern our fears however were again alarmed on hannah's account that good and faithful domestic caught the infection her fears and attention on her beloved mistress had injured her constitution before this baleful distemper seized her she fell a sacrifice to it maria wept over the remains of one who had rendered herself worthy of the utmost consideration it was a long time before she could recover her spirits when the remembrance of her loss had a little worn off we passed our time very agreeably and i one day remarking the smiles i always found on my maria's face pressed to know the melancholy which had formerly given me so much uneasiness i may now said she resolve your question without any hazard the cause is now entirely removed you know there was a time when i was thought handsome i never wished to appear so in any other eyes than yours unfortunately another thought so and took such measures to make me sensible of the impression my beauty had made as rendered me truly miserable since i am as dear to you as ever i am happy in having lost charms that were fated to inspire an impetuous passion in one who but for me might have still continued your friend i ask no more i was convinced she meant the captain who had sought to do me some ill offices but which i did not resent as i purposed quitting the army at the end of the campaign by her desire i took no notice of his perfidy only by avoiding every opportunity of being in his company one day about a fortnight after maria came of age i was looking over some english newspapers which a brother officer had lent me to read in which i saw this extraordinary paragraph last week was interred the body of miss maria maynard daughter of james maynard esq of l in bedfordshire aged twenty years ten months and a fortnight had she lived till she attained the full age of twenty-one she would have been possessed of an estate worth upwards of forty thousand pounds which now comes to her father the above-mentioned james maynard esq by a whimsical and remarkable desire of the deceased a large quantity of quicklime was put into the coffin this piece of intelligence filled us with astonishment as we could not conceive what end it was likely to answer but on my looking up to maria by way of gathering some light from her opinion and seeing not only the whole form of her face but the entire cast of her countenance changed it immediately struck into my mind that it would be a difficult matter to prove her identity especially as by the death of hannah we had lost our only witness this may appear very trivial circumstance to most people but when we consider what kind of man we had to deal with it will wear a more serious aspect it was plain he would go to very great lengths to secure the estate since he had taken such extraordinary measures to obtain it he had likewise another motive 
for by his second marriage he had a son. It is well known that the property of quicklime is to destroy the features in a very short space, by which means, should we insist on the bodies being taken up, no doubt he had used the precaution of getting a supposititious one, and, in all probability, the corrosive quality of the lime would have left it very difficult to ascertain the likeness after such methods being used to destroy it. We had certainly some reason for our apprehensions that the father would disown his child, when it was so much his interest to support his own assertion of her death, and when he had gone so far as to actually make a sham funeral, and above all, when no one who had been formerly acquainted with could possibly know her again, so totally was she altered both in voice and features. However, the only step we could take was to set off for England with all expedition, which accordingly we did. I wrote to Mr. Maynard a letter, in which I enclosed one from his daughter. He did not deign to return any answer. I then consulted some able lawyers. They made not the least doubt of my recovering my wife's fortune as soon as I proved her identity. That I could have told them, but the difficulty arose how I should do it. None of the officers were in England, who had seen her both before and after the smallpox, and whose evidence might have been useful. Talking over the affair to an old gentleman, who had been acquainted with my first wife's father, and who likewise knew Maria, I have not a doubt, said he, but this lady is the daughter of old Maynard, because you both tell me so, otherwise I could never have believed it. But I do not well know what all this dispute is about. I always understood you was to inherit your estate from your first wife. She lived till she became of age, did she not? According to law, said I, she certainly did. She died that very day, but she could not make a will. I am strangely misinformed, replied he, if you had not a right to it from that moment. But what say the writings? Those I never saw, returned I as I married without the consent of my wife's relations. I had no claim to demand the sight of them, and, as she died before she could call them hers, I had no opportunity. Then you have been wronged, take my word for it. I assert that her fortune was hers on the day of marriage, unconditionally. I advise you to go to law with the old rogue. I beg your pardon, madam, for calling your father so. Go to law with him for the recovery of your first wife's estate, and let him thank heaven his daughter is so well provided for. This was happy news for us. I changed my plan, and brought an action against him for detaining my property. In short, after many hearings and appeals, I had the satisfaction of casting him. But I became father to your sister and yourself before the cause was determined. We were driven to the utmost straits while it was in agitation. At last, however, right prevailed, and I was put in possession of an estate I had unjustly been kept out of many years. Now I thought myself perfectly happy. Fortune, said I, is at length tired of persecuting me, and I have before me the most felicitous prospect. Alas, how short-sighted is man! In the midst of my promised scene of permanent delight, the most dreadful of misfortunes overtook me. My beloved Maria fell into the most violent disorder, after having been delivered of a dead child. Good God! 
what was my situation to be reduced to pray for the death of her who made up my whole scheme of happiness dear dear maria thy image still lives in my remembrance that seeks thee still in many a former scene seeks thy fair form thy lovely beaming eyes thy pleasing converse by gay lively sense inspired whose moral wisdom mildly shone without the toil of art and virtue glowed in all her smiles without forbidding pride o oh, my julia such was thy mother my heart has never tasted happiness since her lamented death yet i cease not to thank heaven for the blessings it has given me in thee and my louisa may i see you both happy in a world that to me has lost its charms the death of my maria seemed to detach me from all society i had been met with too many bad people in it to have any regard for it and now the only chain that held me was broken i retired hither and in my first paroxysms of grief vowed never to quit this recluse spot where for the first years of your infancy i brooded my misfortunes till i became habituated and inured to melancholy i was always happy when either you or your sister had an opportunity of seeing a little of the world perhaps my vow was a rash one but it is sacred as your inclination was not of a retired turn i consented to a marriage which i hope will be conducive to your felicity heaven grant it may oh most gracious providence let me not be so crushed as to see my children unhappy i feel i could not support such an afflicting stroke but i will not participate in evil i continually pray to heaven to avert adieu my child may you meet with no accident or misfortune to make you out of love with the world thy tender and affectionate father e grenville end of letter nine part two